Leading a team to greatness begins with understanding yourself. So some founders think only about their own peak performance and they forget that it's about team. As a business psychologist, CEO and co-founder of Kaya, Lara Menke has guided countless founders to transform into truly impactful leaders. There is a couple of traits that I've observed that founders have when it comes to reaching peak performance. In this episode, Lara and I explore the hard truths around how to do feedback well and be more empathetic. How do you practice empathy? What we call empathy is actually very selfish because... And most importantly, we talk about the key to real leadership, self-awareness. As a leader, what do you think you're in denial about? Um... So when I came to you initially, it was all about, um, I was in a difficult place and I want to get into a better place psychologically and also um, create the space to create something new. And then the sort of mission of how we work together and stuff moved much more into your, uh, I guess, zone of genius, right? Which is insight around peak performance and how to get there, not just for yourself, but also your team, your colleagues, et cetera. Um, so before we get into how to achieve peak performance and everything else, how important do you think peak performance is today? And do you think culturally that idea around peak performance and ambition and hustle and stuff is sort of changing? Or is it just as important today as it always will be? Um, it's changing, definitely. So it used to be, like you said, hustle culture or is the main thing to, to care about. But now it's more about sustainability. And that's our zone of genius. How do you create sustainable performance? Um, like stamina, basically. Stamina, right? exactly, exactly, which you need. You need to, it's not a sprint, it's a marathon. I hate these cliches, but that's what startup life is like. So how do you have peak performance in the long term? Um, that's the conversation. Okay. Tell us, what, what is peak performance in your definition of it? Um, For founders. There is, there is a couple of traits that I've observed that founders have when it comes to reaching peak performance. Number one is obviously drive. So there's something about energy. The best performers I've worked with, they have this really strong drive, whether that's a natural drive, some of it probably is natural. I haven't yet to meet a peak performing founder that has, hasn't taken care of their body. Not yet. They exist, of course, mm. but on average, you do something to reach that energy level. So workout, nutrition, all of those You've things. You've not met Warren Buffett, clearly. I mean, yeah, yeah. <laughs> of course, there's exceptions. Yeah, some weird exceptions. <laughs> yeah, so it's uh, it's something about drive and passion and motivation, for sure. And how do you do that? By knowing your purpose and knowing why you do what you do. Very important. And then the second point is optimism. So peak performers that I work with, they tend to be optimistic, not in the cliche thing, uh, cliche kind of way that they're all positive and they sugarcoat things, but no, they have a bias towards seeing opportunities over risks. They um, find that they, they are afraid. <laughs> they're not always here. They are feeling the fear, but their curiosity outweighs the fear, mm. right? So. They have trained themselves or they're naturally like this so that they can pay selective attention to the successes over the failures and so on. So there's something about optimism, self-belief um, as well. 
um, yeah, and they're inspired. If you want to reach peak performance, you got to be inspired. Mm. Okay. And how can you get inspired? Uh, how can you inspire others is by firstly inspiring yourself. And how do you do that is by understanding who you are and what you want. And that's already huge. A lot of people think they know what they want and they think, but it's a much deeper level of, okay, what's my purpose beneath? What's the thing that's bigger than myself that I'm intrinsically motivated by? Um, if you want to become a peak performer and, uh, you know, a lasting peak performer, not just a peak performer once a week, you really have to be committed to truth, meaning you have to work on yourself and get feedback because without feedback, you're living in a bubble most likely. Most people overestimate how well they know themselves. It's, mm. it's been shown by plenty of psychological studies that we have a bias towards being overconfident. Dunning-Kruger effect. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So we really do need feedback uh, regularly in order for us to reach that sense of uh, awareness. Um, so, for example, you can um, send out a 360, but most people don't do that because traditionally 360s are very cumbersome and outdated and too complicated and too long and no one has time to fill it out so there's actually just simple ways in which you can ask for feedback and if you want to do that right away I would start by asking your closest people for critical feedback if you really have to start somewhere because some you know, people don't have time ask for one piece of critical feedback um what's that so for example I will Hello. Can I have some critical feedback? Just one piece, please. Wow, wow. You see, for context, Dan and I, well, maybe you want to explain this actually. The, the, other day, the other day, Will had to give me feedback. And I, oh, I yeah. think, and this might be my blind spot, but you work with me, I think I'm good at receiving feedback. Mm. And so I don't feel like I make people scared or anything. And, or, or, you know, I, I, I try to make people feel comfortable about it because I'm aware that it's a scary thing. Yeah. And the fear in Will's voice and everything. <laughs> it was just, it was sort of shaking doing it. And I was like, I literally had to say to you, like, why, why are you so scared? Like, it's okay. You can tell me. And you were like apologetic. Well, you know, I, I just sort of think that, and I'm like, mate, you can tell me. What is the thing? <laughs> I was basically saying, you know, that, Dan can come across as rude on Slack. Mm. Um, and, you know, we have discussions about directness and being, oh, you know, the various things like that. I, I could see it as soon as he said it as well. I was like, you know, usually it's very helpful to say, can you give me a time or an example? You know, someone telling you that you're communicating like directly and rude on Slack, you probably are familiar with the fact that you do it anyway. That's a, that's a very niche example where you you know written feedback in that stuff or written words in that in that format probably do come across not quite how you intend it. It's not yeah. crazy, right? So yeah. it was a good one to not be offended by. Yeah. Equally, um, if he didn't give me that feedback, I just carry on doing it. Which mm -hmm. if it's a toxic behavior that's actually upsetting the team, you can see how when they say feedback is a gift. If he doesn't give me that, yeah. negative for everyone, myself included. True, true. Um, Anyway, I, so can, I could comment on that. Yeah, please. Want. Yeah, so. Yeah, um, I mean, we're not, we're just the subjects. You're the psychologist. <laughs> Um, and also, why is he so scared of giving me exactly. feedback? How can you help him give so, feedback more comfortably? <laughs> I come from the same background as you. So I used to You're be, from Germany. Uh, <laughs> kind of, spiritually. <laughs> so I, I um someone with a people-pleasing background from upbringing. So I find it very hard to give direct negative feedback. 
I've struggled with that all my career because I had this huge need to be liked and fear of being rejected. And it goes back to childhood, fear of abandonment, and I could go on. But anyway, I um, understand the real fear of giving someone negative feedback. Um, so I, first of all, um, don't judge yourself for that because it's common. And the more you judge yourself, the more negative emotions add to it. But um, one thing that helps is to understand um, that you may be you may be thinking that you're being empathetic by not giving this negative feedback. Maybe a part of you thinks actually that's a good thing. <laughs> Maybe part of you thinks, oh, I'm being too sensitive. I'm being too empathetic. And I used to think that too um, until I realized that that uh, kind of from... Uh, a team member I didn't share negative feedback with in the moment I decided okay I'm going to wait to the one-to-one -one and then I'll share it then but I realized that was a selfish thing okay what we call empathy is actually very selfish because we are not protecting the other person's feeling like your feelings we are actually only concerned about our own discomfort when we're really being honest with ourselves so you, and then we tell ourselves the story that, oh, I'm just protecting Dan's feelings here. No, really, you it's your emotion that you really are trying to protect. So what so be aware that this is not real empathy. Empathy is not about making people happy all the time. Empathy is about guiding people to the truth because only the truth can liberate them and help them and help others, as painful as that is. So Maybe that's a little re reframe uh, mm. for people who are shy about giving negative feedback. Okay. And in the specific example of how to give and receive feedback well, mm -hmm. how? How does one do it? So think of a conversation right now that you're avoiding. It's a negative conversa conversation. And, and why are you avoiding? What is the fear? Write down the fear on a piece of paper because... Um, Chances are even just by naming that, you think, oh, that, that's not even making any sense, that fear. So write it down and, and then do a thought experiment. I recommend to do this. If I knew that this person couldn't get angry, if I knew nothing bad would happen, what would I say? And then just write that down and, and because that's the truth. Mm. <laughs> and it might not be... You know, you might not say it word for word, but you really want to get to the truth. Otherwise, you're wasting a lot of time. And that thought experiment helps remove the fear, at least before you enter the conversation. Then when you have the conversation, first ask for permission that the, that person is in the, in, in the right uh, emotional state to receive any feedback. Maybe they're too busy. Maybe they're just very sad on that day. It's not the right time. So ask permission before you give the feedback. Don't just say, hey, I have feedback. Here it is. Ask permission because maybe um, you want to schedule it at a different time. Mm. And then when you are finally at the point where you share that critical feedback, um, I recommend that you start by sharing one positive thing about that person. Just because you want to avoid the risk that that person thinks that you see them as one-dimensional, as negative so say one thing you appreciate in that person for example well i really appreciate um your effort in delivering this presentation in time say one thing you appreciate what that does is also that you make sure 
that you're not uh, overtly angry or yeah so share one positive first oh, that you're not or oh, they're not either way that you just have a bit of balance it I, puts them at ease I, I recently read the chimp paradox mm-hmm. have you read it no, but, but I know it's, of it. Of yeah. course, and it's, you know, limbic system, monkey mind, all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And so the the thing that I learned in it and the thing that I started to understand better is you don't want to activate the monkey mind. You don't yeah. want the chimp to be activated exactly. and woken up, this ancestral thing within us that's like angry and raging. And so I can never really square that off between people who say, don't do shit sandwiches which is what you're technically describing. Say something no, nice. Oh, uh, you're not. You're saying it's an open-ended. It's, I'm not saying you're Yeah, it's just one slice there. and then all just, the shit. Yeah. Okay, good. Um, but anyway, so mm-hmm. that, that's kind of the thing. I'm always trying to wonder, how does that work with the chimp stuff mm-hmm. where you're, you're really trying to keep the chimp down? Mm-hmm. So starting with something positive does make sense to me. Yeah. But how do you approach the conversation to stop waking up the, the chimp of anger? And yeah. sometimes yeah. people are just very defensive. Mm-hmm. Um, and can't hear it no matter what approach happens. So how do you how do you deal with that? So after you've um, shared one positive thing to make sure that you're balanced, you do you do share the negative piece of feedback. For example, you can say, um, "I've observed in the last meeting that you were always on your phone, and it really made me question whether you, that you cared about the content, and it made me feel uh, unsure about your performance." So. You are specific in addressing a behavior that is negative and you're sharing how it made you feel and the impact it had on you. Why? Because the, then that person can empathize with you more. And, mm. and, um, and, and sit in your shoes. Yeah, yeah. And, and you are not making a generalized statement that you're always like that or you're a bad person. Or you know that. Um, but um, one thing, if it's really, really bad feedback, um, you can also do is share your critical feedback as a hypothesis and that's not being fake but really if you think about it it's just your perception of that person and if you really think you know better or you've got them right then you are probably too arrogant to be having that conversation so so say for example um so i have an observation about your development area as a team member do you want to hear it yes okay well what do they say no they say no. Then they said, <laughs> okay, why don't you want to hear they it? They say no. What is the fear? Right? What is the fear? <laughs> right. I guess the reason I'm asking is I, I, I've had a couple of mm. colleagues who just do not want to receive it. Mm. Um, they're not at the company anymore. Um, yeah. But it it's happens. true. It's true. It happens. And it really, like, as a mm-hmm. coach and as someone trying to work with people, it really stops you in your tracks. Um, and then even people who are like, which yeah. I think is the space for patients around this stuff, because not everyone's amazing at this stuff. It's a developmental area. People go from bad to better to good over time. Um, but even people who like are aware they're really bad and really uncomfortable about it um, are and, and want to grow through it, I found still very difficult about the mm. track of no. So like, mm. you know, it's like you want to give someone critical feedback. You want to help them in their career but they don't want to grow, mm. then what? Mm. So uh, it sounds like that in that case where it's, you've tried <laughs> the nice, the, the proper way, uh, it's no longer a coaching conversation and more of a performance management conversation right. where it's about yeah, direct, their, their, their role direct. and are they in the right company? This is my else. boundaries and I have to be. Got it. Yeah. Okay. So now I've said yes, then mm-hmm. what? 
Um, so then you share your truth and you can say it in a way that is humble but direct. So um, my observation about your behavior is that I feel that you have an you are not so good when it comes to confident public speaking. Um, because when you did last time, you were always, you know, playing with your hair and, um, and I feel like you could do better next time, um, by taking more time to prepare. I got the sense that you didn't prepare. So, um, how does that resonate? Do you, does it resonate with you? So you check whether there is the same perception in that person or not. Mm. Um, and then at the end, you come to an agreement about how you can help that person grow. Um, or whether they even need your help. That's so. Okay. What else is important in peak performance? EQ. Emotions are part of performance and uh, emotional intelligence is very important. So practice empathy and practice um, managing your own emotions and being comfortable with your own emotions because you need to be very resilient when it comes to performance and peak performance. There's going to be a lot of obstacles and challenges and things don't go as planned all the time. So that's why it's so important to not be afraid of your own emotions because if you are, then you will probably create like stress somewhere in your system, in your company, in your body. And so there is a journey that you can go on to be okay with your emotions more. But how do you practice empathy? I, you know, mm. I, I don't think of empathy as something that you can practice. Just next time you have a conversation with a, with a tricky team member, just try to listen without reacting at all. At all. Mm. That's one way to be more empathetic because we um, it allows us to just be there for them and try to understand them, like genuinely understand them. And it's so hard to do that because we have so many judgments running in our head while that person is talking, like all the time. So notice them. It's okay. Don't judge yourself for having them, but notice those judgments that are running while that person is talking. So notice if there's any patterns of which kinds of people tend to trigger these judgments in me. So is it shy people? Is it people who tend to not be so stress resilient? Or where, why, chances are that you, you're not being present and empathetic and emotionally intelligent with them because you haven't um, accepted that side of yourself in yourself that dark side in yourself mm -hmm. so mm -hmm. so peak performance means learning to be okay with your own dark side and then you are less likely to project your own judgments onto other people um, and not being empathetic that way If you're trying to grow your startup and you're dealing with companies outside of the UK, you're probably going to need ISO 27001 at some point. It's not the sexiest acronym, but it's basically the global standard for proving your security practices are up to scratch, like how you handle customer data. The same goes with SOC 2. You're going to need it if you're a SaaS company. But achieving these security frameworks can be very tedious and very costly. This is where our partner Vanta comes in. 
Banter automates up to 90% of the work for certifications like ISO 27001, SOC 2, GDPR, HIPAA, and more, getting you audit ready in weeks instead of months and saving you up to 85% of the cost. And as a special offer, our listeners get 20% off Vanter. Just head to vanter.com slash secretleaders. That's V-A-N-T-A dot com slash secretleaders for 20% off. There's a link in the description. Look, you know I'm fascinated by AI. But until the machines take over, there's only one thing that's going to determine your company's fortunes. People. This isn't some kind of hollow point to make me look good. If you speak privately to any successful entrepreneur, they'll confirm it's true. So, if you're a leader of a growing business, then you should check out Personio. It brings together all the important HR things like hiring, onboarding, payroll data, performance reviews, and so on. You don't want loads of employees sending you emails asking for time off. You want to be able to see things objectively, like it's taking you too long to hire. You want to do performance reviews well, having clear goals for people that are logged in a centralized system. And you want to do all these things in one simple tool without having to become an HR expert. All of this is possible with Personio. Check it out at personio.com forward slash secret leaders. That's personio.com forward slash secret leaders. There's a link in the show notes. It's, it's... You've mentioned active listening so many times already. <laughs> like, how does one actually do active listening? Like, what's the difference between that and what everyone thinks they're doing anyway, which is listening? So the difference is that the intention is to understand the person that you're talking to rather than getting your point across or any. So really the intention does matter. So is your intention to really get them like, or is your intention to, to just be silent <laughs> or yeah. respond, whatever mm. it is. And then another thing that I wanted to mention when it comes to peak performance, it's about team effort. So some founders think only about their own peak performance and they forget that it's about team. So you don't just reach, it's great if you know how to manage your own performance and reach peak set, fantastic. But it's about the team. How do I create a team that reaches these states regularly? How do I create a high performing team? And that is um, actually way more important <laughs> because that takes, again, um, empathy. Mm. Okay. Okay. So can you summarize how to actually give feedback then? Yeah, critical feedback. First step, awareness. Where's my baseline? Where's my personal strength when it comes to giving critical feedback? And what is my fear when it comes to critical feedback? Write it down. What is the fear? Because then you can distance yourself from that fear or at least have more empathy for yourself because it is a hard thing to do. So that's the first step is awareness. Are you someone who struggles with empathy or are you someone who struggles with empathy for yourself and therefore you're not, you're not sharing your direct truth? Um, based on that, identify that first conversation that you are avoiding, that difficult conversation you're avoiding and do a thought experiment in preparation before you give the feedback. The thought experiment is one simple question. If I knew this person couldn't get angry, upset, Nothing bad could happen. If fear didn't exist, what would I say? And that's what you're going to write down. And that's what you have to keep in mind and try to be as close to that as possible in that conversation. Obviously, you can uh, fine tune it, but try to stay close to that truth in that conversation. And, 
And then you schedule the feedback conversation. You ask for permission before you share the negative feedback because you don't want to share it if the person isn't ready for whatever reason to receive it. And then when you start that conversation, I recommend that you start with one thing you appreciate in the person first. So one strength, one thing you're grateful for so that the person doesn't immediately get triggered in the fear of fight or flight mode. And it shows them that you've seen them as a holistic person. Um, then you go and share your critical feedback. And there it's just important that you are sharing it with the appropriate level of humility. You're not talking down to them and you're being specific and give examples of why you feel that that person can change or needs to change. And then the final step is checking about their perception of the situation, whether it resonates and what they can do in order to improve. Um, it's so simple, but that's actually hard to do. Yeah, I mean, that's a great step-by-step. <laughs> step. Yeah. So, okay, in this situation, I've, I've given feedback. I've learned how to be great at giving feedback. How do I receive feedback without getting super offended and triggered? Well, you really have to be serious about wanting the feedback. Um, so ask yourself, why would it help for me to receive negative feedback? And write it down, ideally. Be clear why you want this. In what way could it help you achieve your goal or your purpose? Because if you're not clear on why, then you're probably not listening because you think, oh, this is just about them or... <laughs> so understand why it would benefit for you personally and specifically, first step. And then the second step is to understand we all have blind spots. No, no one in this world is free of blind spots. And it's only through feedback from other human beings that we can grow and make and <laughs> be more aware. So see it as a gift and and um, be open-minded. And also remember that this is just one person's data point. Someone else might see it completely different. So if you're someone, and this is important because I work also with a lot of female founders, female leaders, and I find that a lot of them find it um, they are naturally someone who looks for feedback all the time and other people's advice and, and specifically women, but also men have been conditioned to just take it all and not, not judge. So take all the negative feedback. So you do not have to 100% accept any negative feedback that comes your way. You really shouldn't because that can be detrimental to your confidence. So Yeah, and people might have agendas, right? Yeah, exactly. And I think especially in like larger organizations where politics is at play and stuff. Like, you know, there's a lot more to consider with that. I think a really important thing I've learned with feedback in general is just because someone says it doesn't make it true, mm -hmm. but it's still a, a data point and it's important to understand how much weight to give it. Yeah. And you can only really do that with more feedback. Yeah. Um, okay. So speaking of getting feedback, like one of the things that is integral, like a space to give feedback, right? is one-to-ones. Yeah. So we talked a little bit about how we want, um, you know, the extension of peak performance leadership is not becoming a bottleneck and freeing your team up to be their best selves so that you get a higher performing team. So how do you run a good one-to-one? -one? It depends 
sadly on the person that you're dealing with of course it's um the typical psychology answer depends but one thing you can do is when you start working with someone early on you establish your one-to-one routine with any person that you want to have regular one-to-ones with and you ask them simple questions firstly what do you need from me as a leader behaviorally give me some examples of behaviors that motivate you that bring out the best in you so it could be anything from um i want to get feedback every week from you about a strength so what do you need from me as a leader and then you share what you need from that person behaviorally and specifically around the one-to-one routine do you need to meet once a month or once a quarter or Obviously, you as the manager can give some structure. I recommend at least once a month that you do one-to-ones, but you can do more. It depends a little bit on your startup. Um, and then you make sure that in the one-to-ones, you balance the conversation. So um, there's a time and a place for one-to-ones that are very task-focused. Of course, that's simple to do. But there is a, a very important that you do regular one-to-ones that are around personal development so coaching style one-to-ones so there one simple thing you can ask your team member there is to reflect the quarter and ask okay what has been the highlight for you Um, and what have you learned from that about yourself and what has been the most challenging thing that happened and why what have you what does that teach you about yourself And then from there, what are some actions you want to take in the next quarter? This helps the person learn (laughs) and reflect about their own leadership style and strengths and weaknesses. So if you do nothing, then just ask those questions. (laughs) How how important do you think it is to have those sort of pre-regular scheduled? And I suppose the reason for that question is a little bit like people get nervous if you are suddenly out of nowhere wanting to have these kinds of conversations, they obviously just come up to it with a approach to the meeting like they're about to get fired. Mm. Um, and any negative stuff you're saying, it could be quite difficult because they're already defensive versus it's something we do every month. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, it's so important in my experience that this is actually in the diary and otherwise it doesn't happen. It's That has to just be in the diary because... Uh, How often? Uh, Depends. At least once a quarter, you should do this review one-to-one that I just said. Highlights, lowlights, learnings. Mm -hmm. At least once a quarter, maybe once a month better. Depends. But yeah, at least once a quarter. Okay. All right, I want to get specific. What do you think makes a great leader? The greatest leaders are self-aware leaders. They have self-insight. Self-insight? Yeah. So Mm -hmm. they understand themselves well. (laughs) So they understand their strength but they also understand the dark side of that strength um and they have empathy mm-hmm. so leadership is not something that happens in isolation therefore empathy with other people that are different from them is critical so those two things if i had to say were are the key things um at, in the essence the great greatest leaders are loving leaders but you could have all those three things um and be loving mm-hmm. and not do anything about it mm. so do you need a bias for action as well yes you have to act i'm not the psychologist i mean 
I'm probably the you person doing to, it wrong, so you, you tell have me. To, it depends is the answer, to right. be fair. It depends. So. But I suppose just to, just to explain, so, I, and I, I use me as the example. Mm-hmm. Um, Will gave me feedback that I, uh, so the context is Will gave me feedback about uh, some of my mannerisms, the way that I ask questions, some specific ways that I do it, which he'd given me for about six months realistically. And so the, the real hidden feedback there, although I think you might have even labeled it, which is that I'm giving it to you, you've got to do something about it now, which is really fair, right? Sure. Um, there are times when I receive feedback. Now, I think I'm decent at self-awareness. No one's amazing, but I think I'm decent at it. Um, and then I also think that I'm um, like good enough at the sort of insight around what I like to do about it. However, I... I probably embodied those traits well. I still hadn't taken action on changing it mm. because change is hard. So you can yeah. have all the best in class stuff and you can work on the awareness and all of those things. You still got to do thing, which mm-hmm. is about habit building. It's about changing behavior. And mm-hmm. um, my challenge to what you've just said would be in my own experience, just having those things didn't change the behavior. Will still came to me six months later with the same, same issues. Yeah, that can be the, the case for some. In my experience, um, if you identified the, the area that you feel you need to improve um, and you really understand, you really understand it, yet you truly understand why it's blocking you, why it's having a bad impact and you even know where it's coming from. So you've gone deep about it and you not just heard it a couple of times from certain people if you really understand it then you will change it Mm. you will do some it's going to be urgent Mm. so sometimes people haven't really understood the gravity of their problem and that's why i tend to not go to action mode too quickly because those actions don't last because they're forced and things that are forced tend to not be sustainable. So rather than um, giving, getting into habits, which is what most people jump to, really sit with the discomfort of accepting that you, the identity that you thought you had is probably not the identity other people see you as. So it's probably more time for going even deeper into the pain of that because it's very painful. Mm. <laughs> it's super painful. So... If you're not feeling the pain, then you haven't gone deep enough. And therefore, any kind of superficial actions probably won't last. That's been my experience over and over again with working with leaders, coaching leaders. Once they really feel something painful, um, they will take action. They will. Because they know they can't continue like that. Mm. And it's not going to be perfect action. It's going to be up and down, of course, but they really will want to change okay mm-hmm. so this is a personal example of poor leadership from me then i need to improve <laughs> what is who's an example of a great leader that you've worked with or what are some of the traits that have really inspired you that you've coached them through mm. so one person i've worked with uh, what inspired me was their sense of awareness um so meaning that they knew moment to moment how to make the right decisions which uh, Um, So, for example, when it came to strategy, they knew when to be inclusive and invite the team in and when to just make the decision and follow their intuition. They knew when to invite critical thinking in and when to be following their own instincts. And they had a really healthy sense of 
humility and confidence and balance basically of the yin and the yang. So they were doers, they were super driven and motivated and communicated that driven in a very inspiring way, but they were not obsessed in a sense of being attached to that goal and ambition. So when certain financial goals weren't achieved, they communicated that openly without shame and guilt to their team, very transparently or very honestly. So they were honest with themselves and their teams. So they were also very non-hierarchical. So for example, they, this was a company of they let off 300 employees and they made sure to invite every single person to the strategy meeting, even the security, there was a receptionist. They really, mm. really wanted everyone's voice to be heard, no matter how junior or what you're, so they created a real sense of inclusive culture in that organization. And um, yeah, were really authentic in that way and honest with themselves and others. So. I think um, just reflecting on you saying that, uh, the moment when I realized you weren't talking about me, depressingly, um, <laughs> was this sort of moment of knowing when to be inclusive and when to be decisive. And saying which you just did, that that was a moment to moment thing. Yeah. I think on reflection, something that I've got wrong in uh, often mm. is trying to be really inclusive and actually not being decisive because I really genuinely do want everyone's opinion and doing it too often. And actually what you end up with is a very circular. It's so predictable, but everyone feels like they've been heard, but actually everyone in a group of people will express every opinion. Yeah. So it's a full circle picture, which is fine, but it doesn't get you any closer to it. Mm. And then you end up in sort of meaningless debates and actually can really see how that looks like poor leadership. And the intention was great. We've had feedback about sure. this. Like I've had feedback about this. I've literally had feedback in an exit interview, which is uh, which is like painful for me, which like, just, you don't know what you're doing. You seem like you don't know what you're doing because you're constantly asking me what I think and what I'd like to do and all this stuff. And I, you know, I was like, mm, trying yeah. to be a good leader. Yeah. You know, I yeah. felt defensive about that response because I was like, I was trying to do best practice, good leadership and yes. ask you and bring you into the thing. And even when we're doing OKRs or something, you know, instead of telling you what your OKRs are and what I want you to do, I'm asking you, do you want to do this as a collaborative process? And the perspective was literally that, well, you wouldn't be asking me if you knew what I should be doing. Mm. I get that. And that's so common in, in, in founders. Uh, they focus, we focus often on doing the right thing, getting all the right external practices in place, having pulse service, engagement service, doing, inviting people's opinions. And it has gone too far and we've gotten lost in doing the right thing. And we have to start to, as founders, reconnect with the original why did I start this in the first place <laughs> you know who am I as you know that's a process that we have to do uh, and that, that create we have to create space in our own diaries to do that and therefore be connected to our intuition which is gold as a founder so that we can sometimes be decisive and, and tell people no, because my intuition tells me this and my intuition is important. Yeah, I think as a CEO, it's easy to forget. You, you're literally paid by the quality of your decisions. Yeah. And they're not all going to be right, but you still got to make exactly. the decisions. Yeah. And if you go to committee too often, how are you going to make those decisions effectively? Yeah. 
How, how do you find that fine line? Because, you know, I feel like this is actually one of the quandaries of modern day leadership. You know, you have the sort of old way that people complain about, which is like too much top down leadership and it's all toxic and it's all just like the egotistical old white male pale stale stereotype like manager type, right? Who's just telling everyone what to do. And that's like toxic and awful or whatever. And then you sort of go too far the other way as well, where you're trying to be inclusive and diverse and like all of the things that like are the representation of the world we want to live in. But actually in business, there has to be like a slight disconnect from that pretty picture. Yeah. And I think the key word is what you said, trying to be. If you are trying to be, or you should, it's probably out of alignment with your authentic culture that you meant to create or want consciously create so it might just be a matter of going back to square one to say okay remember the culture that we were planning to create or the people mm. just making space for those regular check-ins with your original vision or the, the strategy the that and making space for those moments of reflection with your leadership team is so important so you don't get uh, sidetracked um, and it evolves of course that's the other thing we start off a company like that and then the, the, it changes of course after some years so that's why it's so important to create the regular time as the leaders as the founders of the leadership team to do these check-ins on the why what's the why now has the, has the purpose changed what's it's it's the um, It's a muscle to train. And if it's not in a diary, probably doesn't happen like with everything, but yeah. Um, you mentioned awareness earlier. Fun fact, current book I'm reading is called Awareness. Have you read it? Oh, no. Anthony DeMello? I have read it. Yeah? I love that book. Yeah, but you don't yeah. have the awareness to remember that you've read it. So mm. kind of failed anyway. And on camera, so fact. So um, but it's, re it's really yeah. entertaining mm -hmm. uh, and not quite what I was expecting. Anyway, so I'm planning to finish that tonight. I'm almost done. Um, hopefully, it'll help me become more self-aware. However, assuming it might not, can you help me? Yeah. Right. So how could I become more aware, more self-aware? Yeah. Um, three things. One, get feedback and, and don't stress out. It's not going to be complicated. Send around one question to at least five people you're close with. And it doesn't, ideally, it's not just work because you want to get a holistic picture of you as a human. So ask your mom or your, yeah, really, really that, that that's how I'm. I need to ask my mom for feedback. <laughs> I get it. But that's why it's so effective. Yeah. You ask literally like your, your family members, your husband, wife, um, your f closest friends, uh, work colleagues. So get a holistic view of yourself. At least five people can do what, it what, more. What kind of and the question is, what is one thing that if I changed about myself would help me grow as a person. One thing that if I changed about myself would help me grow as a person. So with that question, you're inviting critical feedback, obviously. <laughs> And you will 100% be surprised, 100% be surprised what people say. And it's going to be very uncomfortable, especially with, if you have a tricky relationship with some people. And it might take time for you to even face that. But that's the first step because these, yeah, people know you well. Um, 
And then you identify that as an area to work on and be more mindful of in your day-to-day -day interactions. Another, uh, that was number one. Uh, another thing you can do is two questions right now. If you're listening, you can journal on those two questions. First is get clear on your vision. So write down one goal that excites you. Just any goal that excites you at the moment. Could be a financial goal, could be anything, yeah? And then the second question you're going to ask yourself is, what are three ways in which my current actions or habits are not in alignment with that goal? Three ways in which you are on your own way with that goal that you just said excites you. And be really honest and real with yourself when it comes to that. And it might, and you'll be surprised <laughs> that you're probably not even aware of some of your habits that you're currently showing that are in your way of what you say you want. So that's one way, or actually two ways, in which you can very quickly improve your awareness. When's the last time you did this for yourself? Um, I did it in last year. So every year I do um, a word for the year. And I send Snap. that. And I, yeah, and I send <laughs> I sent out the 360 last year to some people that I care about. Was, oh, so your word from the year came from doing this exercise? Yeah. Ah. Yeah. Last, the one, the last oh, yeah. year. Yeah. What feedback did you get? I got feedback that, different feedback, two, two themes came out. One, that I need to love myself more. So there was a huge theme around that. I mean, it was detailed, but I need to improve my self-love. And the second theme was I need to be more organized. Right. And um, I honestly, like, the, it's very emotional uh, when you hear that because it's true. So it's true. I think and, if you're German hearing you need to be more organized might be emotional to me. I'd be like, sure, probably. Sure. Yeah, not, not it's surprised. Very yeah. Because it's true. Yeah. And it's I not really, part of my national psyche. <laughs> if they're like, you need to be more polite. I'd be like, how dare you? It was very enlightening. It's very enlightening because it came from people that I didn't expect would see that side of me. Mm. I really didn't, you know. That's why it's such a powerful exercise. You never and are you know. picking the same five people next year or you pick different no, people? No, different, different. Yeah. yeah, fuck their opinions. <laughs> that, yeah. that was too upsetting. Yeah, how dare that, they? I don't want to hear it. Uh, can I be one of your people? Yeah. Yeah? Yeah. You could be one of my can, people? Yes. Yeah, okay. Let's do it. I like that. Mm -hmm. Okay, we'll do it. I mm -hmm. can report back. Yeah. <laughs> uh, as a leader, what do you think you're in denial about? Um, I think many things. Sure, for sure. But um, probably I'm in denial about um, my own selfishness. So I, as a psychologist, as a coach, as a lead, you know, I my identity is all about empathy. And, um, you know, I sometimes can judge myself and therefore neglect the selfish side of me. So the one that is more egotistical and, and, you know, so I think I'm in denial about that part a little bit. And, mm. and there's a lot of untapped potential in me being more okay with that side of me and tapping into that side of me. Mm. Nice. Mm. What about you? What do you think? Um, 
I think, I think for a good period of time, and I'm sure my colleagues here will attest, uh, I think I might have been in denial about what I really wanted for um, my own personal brand and my own like notoriety. I sort of sit in between that weird space between I really enjoy the act of, of listenership and this conversation and the depth of it and all of the stuff. Um, and then there's sort of a gap in confidence and where I need to get to, to do the next thing. And then another gap at where fame exists, which I don't want. Um, so I think where I'm sort of in denial about is how to get comfortable with the steps in between and set the team up in a way that supports my ambitions with clarity and supports them with clarity of the jobs they need to do. Mm. And so as a result of all of that personal confusion around it, I think it's probably been a bit of a pain in the ass yeah. to work with me. Uh, like sort of very typical, well, I guess unusual role, but like in this company, for example, I'm like inverted commas talent and the founder, but not running the company. And I certainly know from my experience of talking to other creators now and other people in, for example, Will's position or Ruth's position or other people in the team here, how irritating that actually is uh, for them, mm. not for me. Mm. So I think there's some level of denial about it. Mm -hmm. Does that Love sound it. relatable? No makes, comment. No, no, makes sense. <laughs> Next question. <laughs> yeah. um, I did actually want to touch yeah. on confidence. Um, we... Just before we started recording, we were talking about our word for the year because we both do a word for the year. Yeah. And my word in 2023 was confidence. And you just told me that your word in 2024 is confidence. So it, that's really interestingly, I see you as a confident person. Mm. You probably see me as a confident person. Mm. So it's a really surprising word. Sure. And I think that's actually a really healthy place to start, which is the external, even through friends, we work together and we're friends, mm. like... Even through that lens, it's really su surprising to not see someone properly. Yeah. Right? Like yeah. for me, the confidence yeah. comes from a lot of insecurity and uh, negative self-talk. Yeah. Just pre-existing, it's there. And so the, the way that I got over it was committing to, which is so pathetic really, but was committing to a daily post on LinkedIn. Because mm. LinkedIn is the social platform that I take the most care and pride on because I'm a business person. Yeah. And that's what business people are. And so that's where I also think people be the most judgmental of me. Mm. I don't look great in a bikini, so that is TikTok <laughs> and Instagram out. Um, but for me, that's like the place to manage my reputation. Also because, you know, whatever, Twitter, it's like come and go in like a second. But LinkedIn feels like it a big deal to me. Mm. So doing it every day was my way that I built up confidence over the year. And it really helped because it just became a cadence. Mm. It was less mm. and less over the year about like talking myself out of it and more into like, this is what I said I'm going to do. This is my practice. And every time I didn't want to, I came back to the word confidence, Yeah, yeah which helped yeah. me push through the barrier where previously I would have been like, no, I don't feel like it today. So that's my approach for how I got through it. And mm -hmm. it's resulted in, you know, Again, back to the previous question, Will saying, you know, and the team saying, we need to do video, blah, blah, blah. And me always saying, no. Well, one of the re reasons is confidence. And even though people mm -hmm. see me as a confident person, I don't feel confident yet in front of camera and I'm learning a new skill and it's outside my comfort zone. Externally, I'm aware that that's not necessarily how people see me. Yeah. How, what about you? Yeah. How come you, you give off an air of confidence? 
Yeah, I think similar. Yeah. So I think uh, I've trained myself to appear confident and, and even tricked myself to feel confident sometimes. And that's not always how I feel inside, of course. And I think that I have a tricky relationship with the word confidence because I know from experience of that actually confidence is also massively overrated in leadership and so I've had a tricky relationship and um, that's why I'm choosing the word because of the discomfort that, that that word gives me it would be very easy for me to choose a word like I've done in the past like uh, freedom or you know so confidence um, yeah I'm I'm really excited to explore what that means to me this year I haven't defined clearly what I'm going to do with it but I'm definitely going to uh, embrace and and deal with that part of me more because I don't feel confident often uh, as uh, I don't absolutely not. Why do you say that leadership has a tricky relationship with confidence? Was that mean? So the research shows that um, confidence is one of the m highest predictors of leadership failure. <laughs> so whilst it's an important skill, of course. It's the one skill that uh, that can easily become a derailer in a leader because it means that they are become overconfident when they're in power and they're not listening and so on. So it's actually better to be humble than to be confident as a leader. And and also as a female leader, I've always gotten the advice, a female founder, that I should be more assertive. I should be more confident. Like I've heard it so many times that I understand there's also a lot of bias attached to it because I don't, yeah, I don't know. I, uh, women are not uh, sometimes behaving in ways that others see as the signs of confidence. So anyway, yeah. I'm excited to. Well, and at the same time, though, surely it's the most important thing that you can gift to your colleagues, especially younger ones coming up, right? Mm -hmm. Like people mm -hmm. start in a career often full of doubt, not everyone, but full yeah. of doubt, looking at their colleagues being like, wow, you're so impressive. I'm amongst such interesting, amazing people. I'm not that. Surely part of the job of a leader is to try and instill confidence in other people to believe in themselves. Yeah, I think believe is probably the nicer way of putting it. So a healthy sense of self-belief, um, but an open mind and therefore not necessarily too confident viewpoint on, on decision-making and other things. So healthy sense of self-belief but open-mindedness to being wrong you know um lara thank you so much for joining us on secret leaders unpacking what we need to do to be peak performers and great leaders thank you thank you so much for having me if you enjoyed this episode and found it useful please write us a review and subscribe wherever you listen to your podcast. It makes a real difference and we genuinely love reading what you think. We read every single review. I've been your host, Dan Murray-Serta, and we'll be back next week with more lessons for entrepreneurs and leaders. See you next time.